Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior. And thank you so much for lending me the only non-renewable resource you've got. That's your time as well. You've got me in your ears. So I hope that you have set aside the next hour to learn and lean in to building a clean energy career that truly matters. If you are along with us on this clean energy revolution, and this is the first time that you are listening to Suncast, well, I just want to thank you for giving us a chance to earn your attention. It's quite possible that you have showed up because today's guest has referred you over. My friend, Mr. Paul Webb, is the founder of B2B Energy, the host of Energy Speaks Back, a podcast about energy management hosted across the pond over in England. And Paul and I have gotten to know each other over the last two plus years, mostly through a group that we have been working in called Clean Energy Revolution. Perhaps you've seen it on my LinkedIn profile. Perhaps you have clicked through to some of Paul or others' posts on LinkedIn, hashtag Clean Energy Revolution, and learned more about how to manage your own life, career, energy, etc. Paul and his team helped drive down organizations gas and electricity consumption, reduce their carbon footprint. And this guy genuinely is enthralled with the idea of energy management and increasing profits for his clients. For the last four decades from nuclear power to helping power major stadiums across Great Britain, Paul has learned what it means to become an energy expert and has authored books on the topic as well. Paul and I go deep today into how his career came to be, how he became the energy expert and technical advisor, how he has taken on energy advisor status for notable locations throughout England and greater Europe, and what you can learn from Paul today, not just about energy management, but about reputation management through LinkedIn. He is one of my favorite personalities on LinkedIn. We regularly engage online and off. If you like this kind of content, then I hope you will be subscribed to the show by the end of this episode, as that's one way that you won't miss our twice-weekly content just like this. Of course, you can always check out nearly 500 additional founder stories and startup advice over at mysuncast.com. Quick note that if you're going to be in San Antonio for the American Clean Power Conference in the coming week, I will be there as well, and I hope that you'll reach out. You can always find me at nico at mysuncast.com. And everybody knows that you can reach me on LinkedIn as well. You'll find those links over at mysuncast.com as well as in the description and the show notes. For now, get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune into another powerful conversation here on Suncast. So as you've just heard, we're going to have a really fun conversation today. And we're going to take a step back from a narrower topic of energy uh, around renewables or, or solar and think about what does energy management as a whole mean? And there really is nobody in my sphere of influence that I trust more with this topic than my dear friend who owns and runs platform and the business called B2B Energy from London, none other than Mr. Paul Webb. Paul, welcome to Suncast, my friend. Long time coming. Thank you, Nico. Really appreciate you inviting me today. And uh yeah, mutual respect across the pond, as we always say. So we should set the stage here. You've probably, if you follow Paul or I on LinkedIn, noticed that Paul and I often comment on one another's LinkedIn posts. Paul has become one of those LinkedIn influencer folks that I have followed and learned from, and, and we have helped each other sort of grow and learn together. Paul, when did you realize that LinkedIn in particular was a platform that was going to help you sort of expand your reach and influence. That's uh, interesting, actually, because I've been using LinkedIn for many years. I, I can't remember when I started using LinkedIn, but 
it wasn't until November, I can tell you exactly when it was the, the time, was November 2019. And someone said, we like your content and the bits you put on there, but you need to do more video. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, me do video, you, you know, an East End <laughs> boy doing video. No, I can't do that. I just can't hear my voice. And uh, <laughs> so it was, it was November uh, 2019. But you know, the first video I did wasn't great, but it made a massive impact to my sort of outlook to LinkedIn. And that really did start the ball rolling for me. Well, from the outset, those of you who are habitual 10 minute podcast listeners, if you get anything out of this episode, I want you to go follow Paul Webb and B2B Energy on LinkedIn. You can easily find him by searching hashtag clean energy revolution. We'll talk a bit more about how and why that exists in a bit, but that's the first action I want you to take. You can even pause your phone right now. And if you aren't following me, you could search hashtag clean energy revolution. Guaranteed you'll find one of my posts and one of Paul's posts and one of, why not? One of Brian Scott's posts and go follow the three of us and follow that hashtag. We'll wait. Okay. Now that you're back, I want to dig into a bit of Paul's background because it's really phenomenal the way that Paul has kind of come into energy management and even renewables. It's very traditional, although not traditional for perhaps many of you who are listening. And that's intentional why I want Paul on the show, because I feel like broadly speaking, many of the renewable energy professionals tend to not come through the halls of traditional energy management and traditional sort of power companies. But Paul, that's not your story. In fact, you got your start in uh, one of the most famous power plants in Great Britain. Can you tell me how you first got into the power business? So I was at school ready to do, I've done all my exams. I'm now getting ready to sort of look to where my career is going to go. And I used to love taking things apart, not to my mum and dad's pleasure as such, because they used to find <laughs> I take them apart. I never put them back together again. That was my biggest problem. So I knew I was going to follow my sort of my uncle's way of life as being an electrician. And my dad come running in one day, he read in the paper that they're opening this new power station in uh, Bradwell-on-Sea. It's a nuclear power station. And I can hear my dad's voices saying, son, you need to get into energy because that's the future. And I was 15 then when he told me that. And then from there, obviously, I, I applied to be an apprentice with uh, Bradwell Nuclear Power Station. But because I was at this time 16 leaving school, I wasn't old enough because you had to be 18 years of age to work in nuclear power. So I'd done all my basic training and they sent me to coal-fired stations, which was absolutely crazy. It's the most filthiest mm. places you would ever want to go to. We was walking through dust. We'd have a shower at work. When we left work, by the time we got home, we would need another shower. And it just mm. wasn't a nice place. But then when, when I was 18 and I started working at the nuclear power station, different feel totally. You could actually eat your dinner off the plant rooms there. It was so clean. Wow. Unbelievably clean. Amazing. What kind of training in that apprenticeship do you look back now and think, wow, we just don't do it as good as we did in the old days? Was there anything about the way that you were trained to think about power plants that you wish some of the, I'll say like the young whippersnappers uh, need to sort of get yeah. into their bones? I spent weeks and weeks standing at the device, shaping metal. I'd be given a big lump of metal and to be, you know, turn that into a cube of absolutely perfection and precision. And we had to get that, once we made the cube, we had to then make a shape to put that cube into. And the actual level of training was significant. And the amount of money, it was about a quarter of a million pounds in them days. You know, I'm not too sure whether you've mentioned how old I am yet. We're going back a long 40 time. 40 years in the industry. We yeah. <laughs> I started with, you know, I've, I've let the ball out of the... Um, out of the ring at such. So I started when I was 15, but you know, I've been in the industry for, for 42 years. So no, well, yeah. do the sums. What was the cube before? Just want to make sure folks aren't getting lost on that piece. So imagine um, a perfect cube that you had to make out of brass and you had to make it from scratch. It didn't start off as a cube. It started off with a lump, lump of uh, brass metal 
and you had to create that into a perfect cube. And it was about an inch, an inch by an inch by inch by inch. And you had to make this cube and then you had to create a plate to plug that into. And it had to fit perfectly. And the way it was perfect, you held it up to the daylight and you wasn't allowed to see any daylight in that cube. So the level of training that we went through for the nuclear power plant and for all the, the power plants actually was second to none. Very comprehensive. We had to make everything there. We didn't is it, change is things. It, is or, it too complex to understand? Because I don't understand what the brass cube is for. It teaches you how to be accurate to certain degrees. It, it gives you discipline on how to focus on accuracy. But you know what I've learned from that? I have a detail. When I walk around a building, I look at the detail. I don't uh-huh. miss anything. I see. So this is in the apprenticeship. This wasn't actually, this was in the apprenticeship. They basically, part of the training, back to the original question, what part of the fundamental training you feel like is lost in today's education system for those who would be, you know, power or energy management experts is this attention to detail. And the yes. this, that's a brilliant story in that case of the ability yeah. to do something with such precision that it fundamentally changes the way you see the world. Yeah, and your discipline. You know, you stood there creating this this cube, for instance, the perfect cube. And then when you go to site and you're walking around now when I'm doing my energy surveys, that was a key thing that I, I actually learned. There's been other parts of my career that I've learned, and the other one which I think is really standing out is is what I call convention. And I learned that in my BMS days when I was doing building management systems and how you design a system. And in them days, we're going back to Honeywell, who were Trend when I worked for Trend. We designed systems and the system would be, for instance, sensor one would always be the outside air sensor and boiler number one would always be driver number one. It's unbelievable. I can go into a BMS system, a trend BMS system now, and there's one in three buildings probably have got a trend system in or a Honeywell system in, and it's got that same convention. How great is that, that I can go in and still utilise that technology and make that technology do what it's supposed to be you know, achieving? So you've touched on discipline. You've touched on convention. What other tools from the early energy management training you received are fundamental to the way that you see building energy design today? It's going to be sound like a soft skill, really. It's people. Okay. I've learned how to work with people. Okay. And when I go and speak with an organization or, or, well, I'm going to speak to an organization and I'm going to be speaking to the, the financial director or the owner of that company. When I then go from him to the actual shop floor and speak to the the people within the building, they've got different ideas of what they want and what they need. Mm. So I've learned how to address different issues with different levels and different. So from senior management down to the you know, even the cleaners, because everyone within yeah. that building is responsible for energy. I have a favourite saying here, Nico, which I'd like to share with you. I always say to either the cleaners or the maintenance manager. I'm here to help you save energy. I'm, I'm on your side. I'm not here to report on you. I'm here to work on you and support you. And that works every time for me. And that's basically what I'm there to do. Well, why don't we back out for a minute to a bit of the, the career that you've carved out for yourself. 40 plus years, it's a lot to think about. And I think it would be difficult for, especially since you're not dedicated specifically to the renewable sector, the way 90% of my guests are, but it tangentially forms one of the arrows in your quiver. Can you help conceptualize for, for that person who's maybe not familiar with energy management, how do you explain maybe at a dinner party what it is that you do? I've asked, been asked many, many a times, so what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm an energy consultant or an energy manager. Well, what does that mean? You know, And that is where I would then start talking about the principles of energy management. And just by talking about the principles, it then really makes it clear and concise. And I find, but just by talking, um, you know, I'm sure we talk more about the principles that mm-hmm. when I when I talk to a client and an organisation, because even organisations say, well, what are you going to do for us? How are you going to achieve energy savings for this organisation? And it's the same question that I would use or answer in the same way 
um, regarding what I would do at a dinner table or um, if anyone was to ask me, what, what does the energy manager do? If you haven't figured it out yet, today we're going to talk broadly about the topic of energy management and how it applies to you as a, as a professional in clean energy. And I do believe that Paul is one of the global experts on this topic. Paul, I have to imagine that you know, prior to your dad coming in and telling you, get into energy, it's the future. You, like every other uh, youth, had fantasies and dreams of who you'd become. What career path did you not go down but always thought you would? I thought I was going to stay at the power station. And that was really where my heart was because, um, and it was a career path really laid out there for me. And that would have taken me all the way through to operations, to actually controlling the power station and, you know, mm-hmm. head of department. Um, and I did see that as my career path initially, but there was a couple of curveballs that were thrown to me at that time that changed the way I thought, because I'd obviously, once you know Paul Webb, he loves lifelong learning. So I'd done my apprenticeship. I was in finance to go and do my um, my ONC and my HNC in electrical electronics. I'm an electrical electronics engineer. And at that time, um, a famous prime minister, Maggie Thatcher, decided to actually get rid of apprentices and say, look, we don't need apprentices no more in our industries. So we're going to do away with apprentices. And what that did, it put a backlog on, on a career path, mine specifically, because I wanted to get into being an engineer. And that's my next mm-hmm. step. You know, I was wearing the the dark green overalls and I wanted to wear the white overalls and the white, you know, Uh the clean white focus. And that was where I was heading towards. But that was my curveball because I then knew that I wanted to be an engineer and I then had to look outside of the power station. And that is when Mm -hmm. I joined the Met Police as a technical officer. So I was, in fact, I had my engineer status, but I was a technical officer then looking at energy management more. So I then moved away from generating energy to then managing energy. Back to the thing that I mentioned at the very outset that I want folks to go follow you on LinkedIn when they do. And as it populates their LinkedIn feed, as it does mine, they'll see that you've become a prolific educator on exactly the topic that you just discussed. One of the things that impressed me really early on was your bold claim and stake of an entire category by virtue of the name of your business, B2B Energy. I feel like as a category, it's really broad, the, the, the idea of energy management, which is why a lot of folks sort of specialize. And you've come up with a way, and I, I imagine what you were alluding to earlier about your dinner party conversations it, that, that you also introduce in that conversation, this sort of container that I've heard you speak of that helps reduce and avoid the sense of overwhelm around energy management. Talk about the four principles and how you utilize them to soften the edges and help folks really ease into energy management as a concept and get your clients to the point where they're ready to let you help them. There's, there's a great knowledge gap between the client actually saying we need someone to come in to reduce cost and to reduce mm-hmm. energy and obviously the, the drive for net zero. And, and I'm constantly being asked, can you come in and look at putting solar on the roof? Can you come in and change all our lighting because we need to change our lighting because it's the wrong level of lighting? I always say, and this is where the people management comes in, I say, just hold on one second. Let's take a step back. Energy management is a journey, and that journey needs to be sort of really reviewed. Now, solar for you as an organisation I don't think is now or maybe next year, or maybe the year after. What you need to be looking at is your demand. So my four principles that I introduce then is is review, realign, reduce, and then report. So the Mm -hmm. review side would be where we we review their energy data. We review their their billing, their um, profiles against how they're using their their building. And we'd actually take that to the extent is actually reviewing how they're using that building, reviewing their staff and and working with their staff to Mm. understand how, you know, when is that building opened? When is it closed? Um, Are they open at the weekend? And then from there, we realign the existing systems. So they may have a BMS system. They may just have switches. Well, that needs to be a right realigned because what's happening is the security guard turns it on when he comes in and he turns it off when he goes out. Well, that doesn't need to happen. He doesn't need to be turning all those lights on. So we need to mm. realign all the systems, existing systems, 
before we can then start to look at the the renewables or the changing of the the equipment and what we find yeah this is know, the just- if i if i if i may if i may just interject there this sounds to me like the age old reduce part of the reduce reuse recycle kind of uh mindset yes. learn how yes. to control and reduce the overall amount of energy before you try to replace your current electrons with some new source of electrons i love renewables okay. i think that yep. is a way forward but we need to look at the existing systems first because what could happen if we just go in and put solar on the roof straight away you can have an oversized solar system because you you're then going to go in and look at, at the lighting and things like that and before you know it there's going to be pressure on you as a as a consultant who's put that uh, solar in or on the organization because you've got a large system that needs to recover a return on investment. Well, we may have not needed that in the first place. So we just need to take that step back and just manage the process. And the four principles does that very clearly. And it it gives people an understanding and the expectations with organisations. So I have the four principles, but then I have the process to follow that, which is the 11-week energy programme that I've put in place, which starts off with the meeting and that takes us round for a concise energy management program that has implementation. So nowadays, I don't like doing loads of energy assessments and loads of reports unless we are going to be doing implementation. I think implementation is the key point. Yeah. And you're doing implementation for for some of the like largest buildings. Like uh, As I recall, uh, the O2 Stadium is one of your clients, correct? Yeah, London Stadium. London Stadium, yep. Uh, isn't that where, that's not Wimbledon, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Nico, you, you're, Look showing, at you're showing you're from the other side of the pond. <laughs> it's fine. That's fine. I, I just wanted to lend some credibility to the fact that you, uh, you know, you've got some, uh, some large notable clients that are trusting your 11-week process. Uh, I stopped you in the middle. You said what we find when you were on Realign and- uh, I didn't get you to the reduce and report piece. I don't want to interrupt you too much there because I really do like this model. It's simple, uh, yet elegant. Four principles that help folks sort of avoid the overwhelm of how to handle energy management, which, as we all agree, is a component for any operator of how they decide how much solar energy they're going to need. So you were in the realign portion. I don't know if you, if I interrupted you uh, abruptly. Yeah, so the, the realign is when we're going to realign the existing systems and then we're going to look to reducing the existing systems and then once we've got to that stage that's where we then start to introduce the action plan and the action plan there will then start to introduce all the other technologies that we need to be doing and that will be broken down into three areas no cost medium cost and capital cost we call a no cost the low-hanging fruit basically where we're going to be doing changes that isn't going to cost the organization any money. And then lastly, the important thing of all this, we must, and this has become, this is where we go back to the detail and we look at reporting it because we're going to make all these changes. We're going to do all these different things, but we need to report it. We need to follow the reporting through to make sure that we're doing exactly what we said we're going to do. And it's, it's happening. And those costs are coming down. The energy is coming down. What kind of metrics do your clients look for to see that the energy management program is working? The best metrics really is this, is the cost when that energy bill comes in that month. For me, the organizations are, are really looking at that. They're, they're, they've got their, their eyes on that bill coming in on a regular basis. I don't really report back on cost because the cost is variable. My focus is the kilowatt hours. So I report on the energy consumption back. And mm. I break that down, obviously, into electric, gas. I must say, when I when I talk about energy management, I also include water into that equation as well. Yeah. Because water is very precious. And it does have the effect on your gas heating as well or any electric because we're pumping the water around the building. Why is that? So Why is that? I don't understand that intuitively. Okay, so uh, water, for instance, some of the areas I would focus on with water would be water leaks. So leaking plants leaking taps, leaking plumbing. And if you feel the temperature of that water, it could be hot water. So we've had to heat that water up. So there's free costs. We're paying for the water we're using. We're paying to get rid of that water and we've paid to heat that water. 
And all we're doing with the water is letting it drip on the floor. That's a crude way of actually focusing on it. And also we pump that water around the building from A to B. I wonder, is there some sort of checklist that we could share with the Suncast tribe that maybe could help them be more prepared and educated to educate the business operators they're looking to serve? I, I have many checklists I've put together. Um, I, I have, uh, <laughs> you could go to my book if you wanted to, but no, I do have various different checks. So I, I break, so when I look at a building, I break the building down into the perimeter, into the roof, into the floor areas, into the plant rooms, into the meters. So when you look at a building, I always teach people to say, look, the building could be a very large, complex building. But if you break it down into these simple areas, and then in those areas, your checkpoints are heating, cooling, lighting, power, water, and energy management. And if you pick up on those six points, you cover every single area. So that's how I break it down. Can you repeat that again? Heating, cooling, lighting? Heating, cooling, lighting, power, energy management, and water. How's energy management different from power? Energy management is more your people, managing the, managing uh-huh. the staff, awareness programs, energy policy. So this is the systems. This is, do they have BMS? Do they have, uh, okay. Yeah. Right. Power is directly like looking at the checkpoints on where is consumption happening and how many kilowatt hours of consumption is happening? They're all your key areas, yeah. Well, that yeah. could also be, it could be CHP, it could be solar. Today, for instance, I've just posted some pictures of some solar that I looked at in 2019 with some plants growing mm. out of it and and uh, yeah. bird bird mess all over it. And for me, so I'm on, so, okay, I've gone to the roof in my head, I've got heating, cooling, lighting, power, power, everything around me that's connected to power. There's a solar panel sitting there. Look at the solar panel. How old is the solar panel? How clean is it? You know, because is it clean enough to be able to absorb all that energy that we want it to to generate? What's the condition of it? How's it been maintained? So they're, they're your key points, really. And it you, you do build on it. You know, Paul, I think that as we've highlighted, there is a disparity between energy management and the kind of approach and conversation that you have with building owners and, and um, you know, those who are responsible for energy bills compared with those who are by and large charged with selling product or selling electricity. And it's not necessarily in their like first instinct to, to go in and think about how the building is using energy other than to say, give me your energy bills, which I personally think is uh, is a just a it's a it's a remnant of poor training in our industry generally. And it's incomplete. When I was doing uh, solar sales day to day, I believed that one of the things that would help me was to learn how to do an energy audit. You've since helped me sort of reframe that. I'd like for you to maybe approach or illuminate why an energy audit as as a framework maybe isn't the most helpful way to think about it as an energy professional. So when you look at an audit, it's like everything. When you're auditing something, you're looking for problems. You're looking for faults within a system. Looking for mistakes, you're, yeah. You're, and you're looking for mistakes. There is No one's doing the wrong thing here. So I, I turn it on the head. I don't call it an audit. I call it an assessment. And going back to the, mm. the four principles and the, the, the categories that I've, I've called out then regarding the heating, cooling, lighting, power, et cetera, we look at assessing those areas. And not only are we assessing those areas that are existing, we would then also assess those areas for adding to at a later date as well. Right. Paul, I wonder if you have uh, any clear examples or maybe even specific tactics that you would share around one of the things that you said earlier, you said how you, you've learned how to work with people. And that's a bit of, it's one, it's one of the sort of four areas that you focused on when uh, very, at the very, very beginning, we talked about discipline and attention to detail convention, and then learning how to work with people kind of undergird the, the, the training that perhaps isn't modern training. So how do you think about or even train your team on the soft skill perhaps of working with people? I love this part. So when I go to do an assessment, I think that's the best part of the process, the actual assessment. And I know that so when I go to do an assessment with an organization, I will arrive there early. Okay. And the reason why I arrive there early because I like to just have a look at that building to see 
what it's doing when no one's walking around, you know, before the day maybe. And if I see anything that's at fault regarding the lighting on or, or smoke coming out the chimneys or something, I'll get, I'll document that there and then, even before I've even gone in and met the organisation. And when I sit, when I go into that uh, reception and I ask for the person that I'm due to meet, I know that I'm going to be probably waiting there for a long time because he or she is only expecting me to come, or they may not even be expecting me. So nine times out of 10, and this is the story, and I'm relaying a story that happens to me more or less all the time. The guy comes, it's always a guy, okay? And I apologize if I'm using the word guy, but a guy comes in, he has got a spanner in his hand. He's got a hammer in his hand. He's probably got a lump of cable in his hand. He's running around delivering someone with, I need heat, I'm too cold, I'm too hot. I need lighting in this area. I need power. This guy's focus is all about, I've got, I've got, I've got clients to look after. I then say, oh, hi, I'm here to do an energy assessment. Okay, brilliant. Hold on one minute. I just go and do this job and I come back. He then comes back to me. He then says, right, where do you want to go? And I said, well, I'd like to just, is it okay? We can sit down and have a coffee and just talk about today, what I want to look at today. How long are you going to be here? And I'm going to say, I want to be here all day. Oh no, 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 no. Sorry. You you can't be with me all day. I'm I've got I haven't got time to to run around. You know, energy management, the organizations they're always looking at doing energy management. They've, we've done it all before, mate. You know, don't please I said, look, give me five minutes, let me sit down and just go through my expectations and you can leave me in areas. And I take them through a little journey. Um so simply I'll ask them their name. I'll ask, I get some rapport going with them about them as an individual, where do they live, how, you know, how long they've been at the site. You know, key questions about what I want to know for the, the site itself on them, um, you know, the name, why do I want, you know, why do I want his name? Well, I'm going to put his name into the report and highlight the fact that he does this role. I can guarantee just starting breaking that ice and working with that person, by the end, I'll be there all day. And, I, and in fact, I've been in occasions where I've been trying to leave and the guy won't let me go because he wants to show me more. You know, he wants to show me more. And he's the best person to show me around that building. He's the best person to tell me all the energy savings that, that the organisations have looked at and not done anything about. So if you build that relationship with that person, and as I go back to, to what I said before, I'm not here to report on you. I'm here to support you because the organisation, your bosses want to save money here. They want to reduce their energy. And they're looking to this building to do that. And they're going to be looking to you as an individual to, to manage that. So I work with them as a person. And yet you have to break a lot of ice to actually get from A to B. And I've actually been, one of my favourite ones, the guy was called Paul Webb. So, you know, oh, the guy really? loved me. Before we even started, we both had the same name. <laughs> this is, I presume, once you've already been retained by this person's boss or the executive at exactly. the company to go and, and do the work that you're doing. Yeah, very good. Have you been curious about utility scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. It's built in DC to DC coupling combined with other features like higher energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. Hey, pardon the interruption, but I wanted to just let you know how much of an impact you have on SunCast. Yeah, you. Thank you for clicking play. Without you, this show is just me shouting into the void. But there's still people who don't even know about Suncast. I know, I can hardly believe it myself. <laughs> but that's where you can help me yet again. There's a simple way that you can show some love and help others discover the show. If you cruise over to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash Suncast, I'd love it if you would leave a five-star rating and enthusiastic review. That's possibly the single kindest thing that you could do for me today. So if the show has helped, inspired, or even entertained you at all, I'd love it if you would head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast and give me a virtual two thumbs up. All right, 
back to today's episode. The work that you do is extremely complementary to the work that many of our listeners uh, do in the field. One of the things that I think is not obvious for a lot of folks as they're getting into this field is how complementary these types of businesses are, right? What I learned in my 20s and 30s selling solar is the people that became my biggest allies and friends were the roofing contractors, the mostly the consultants that were themselves doing a lot of what you're doing, but on the roof and the energy management consultants like yourself, whose role was to be a, a guide, a mentor, a shepherd, a Sherpa for the guy you just discussed, right? The Paul Webbs of the world who have that rapport and whose opinion carries the weight of gold. And I think that's one of the things that's really important for folks to recognize that if they're really going after uh, building owners and operators to try and sell them renewable energy, and they understand how to build a, a matrix of stakeholders, that there are outside players like B2B Energy, like Paul Webb, who carry an, an outsized weight of influence on the decision makers. And oftentimes, correct me if I'm wrong, you're dismissed by the would-be folks who could, who could use and, and benefit from your input. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've, been in, I've been in boardrooms. I've been in boardrooms, uh, Nico, on discussing solar and CHP or whatever the technology. And the clients looked to me in the eyes and said, Paul, will that work in front of this guy? You know, they look to you as the confidence. Will that work for this building? And I will say, yes, it will. And then he then looks to the organization regarding the solar. We want that. So there, there, is, a, there is a brilliant partnership to have there. I have a bit of an esoteric question for you. And I, I think that you, I have appreciated how much of a thinker you are and how much you have begun to really think about and integrate the lessons you've learned. And we're going to talk a bit about those, but I want to frame it in a slightly different context because I see you effectively building, you know, your speaking platform, your influencer platform, doing the videos that you're encouraged to do. So the thing I haven't seen you do yet uh, is what I want to ask. What would your TED talk be about? I don't know. I'd love to do a TED talk. Um, so if anyone's listening I know. to the organization, <laughs> please put it out there. Um, my TED talk, uh, I don't really know what the sub, it'd have to be about energy management, the four principles and how organizations can adopt those four principles to to go from A to B, not from straight to B mm -hmm. to C, to take it from A to B and go on that journey. You know, I always yeah. say that energy is your third largest expense. It's an expensive part of your business after people and buildings. We really need to be focusing on that. And, and I think that's really what my TED Talk would be about. Thank you for bringing it up, Nico, by the way. I think you're going to, I think you're going to be invited to do a TED talk. And I look forward to you sharing that with our LinkedIn community uh, when it happens. I, I can't wait Thank for you. that. When you think back on your career, what are some of the key lessons or maybe takeaways from the important mentors who influenced how you approach your work? It's the old fashioned one for me. You've got two ears and one mouth. Use them in that proportion, whether you're talking and teaching someone how to do energy management or you're working with an organization that needs energy management. Just use that level, learn and be present in that room when you're talking to an organization because you'll really yeah. get to understand the organization better. Is there a time where you look back on the work that you've done and you could attribute maybe either a turning point in your career or a specific success marker that represents when you kind of knew that you had found your calling? There is actually. 2000, and I've got dates and figures because I'm detailed, as you know. Um, 2005, I was um, working for Satchwell, who are now Schneider, and I was head of energy um, services. And we had taken it in a different direction regarding BMS. So we was a BMS team, but they wanted to look at the building holistically and pick up all the other concepts like as I say heating cooling lighting etc so I was at a turning point there do I stay working in the senior management team and managing the team of consultants or do I go back into the field myself and actually do the work myself to do that and 
that was my turning point because I was senior management and I was just quite happy not going. But I used to go out with my team to to look at energy assessments and we was looking at very large retail organisations and I enjoyed it and I, had, I enjoyed looking at the building holistically. Since 2005, I haven't looked back. My business has gone in a different direction. I set my own business up in 2005. Ah, okay. And that's the point where you said, you know, I, I can make a living and enjoy what I'm doing out in the field rather than managing this team of consultants. And that began the entrepreneurial journey for you. Can you, reflecting on that 15 years, 16 years now of experience, what advice might you have for fellow entrepreneurs who are earlier in that stage of growth? I'm six years into my uh, second sort of second round of entrepreneurial growth. What advice do you have for those of us in the throes of startup life? You're going to get scars doing this. You, 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 there's going to be problems. There's going to be issues around this. Just keep, keep at it. Don't give up. Be consistent with what you're doing. If you believe in yourself and what you're trying to achieve, it will all happen. And that's one thing I do. I believe in what I'm doing. I don't go off piste. I don't get distracted regarding what I do. My company is called B2B Energy, and that's what I do. Business to business energy. And that is the business to business side of it is where I bring other experts in to work with other experts. And mm. I don't confess to be an ex I call myself an energy expert, and that's a global name of what I do. But regarding CHP, regarding solar, LEDs, or whatever the technology, I will bring the experts in. I've got a good understanding of that technology, but I always bring an expert yeah. in for that. Yeah. You've done a really good job of rallying the community and, you know, I'd, I'd invite you to maybe talk a bit about how you leverage LinkedIn in particular, but social media to find those experts and how you are thinking about expanding that influence. Have you, I, ca I can't recall if you have a specific sort of certification or training program, but I invite you to just kind of talk about how over the course of the 16 years that you've put into building this practice you've begun to help others learn how to build this practice so from the work i've been doing i've written some books on the subject and my my linkedin following um is right in the 20,000s as such and i've been working significantly in there i'm a, i'm a i don't know whether people know this but i'm also a director with bni um so i networking is very important the business to network me. institute yeah so i'm a director with them i have two or three meetings every week whereby I'm either in London or I'm on the global team. So I'm a, a, a global member where there's a hundred of us meet every other week and we, we network. And I, I put it out there to that group. I want to speak to energy experts around the world and I get introduced to experts yeah. around the world. I have my LinkedIn platform and off the back of that with my training, we have developed through Esther a certified global energy expert, which is a certification that you can gain by doing my training. So once you've completed a training, mm. you then become a, a certified global energy expert. And then following that, there will be constant reviews and, and ways you can improve on that. Yeah. So it's not unlike the, you know, in our, in our parlance here for the United States being NABSEP certified, um, you know, you, you don't have like a formal institute but you have four decades of experience and customers who can yeah. set can validate that you are qualified to certify others and how to do the work that's really cool i'm keen before we wrap here to tap in a bit to the knowledge that you have shared in private with some of our coaching groups and clients about what you've learned really since you know the fall of 2019 around linkedin and how you just said on the back of that you get to offer your energy expert certification, you've done a tremendous job of creating a front end, um, I'll say presentation opportunity for a back end conversion piece of your business. What advice might you have for others who are trying now to think about creating a personal brand on LinkedIn and using LinkedIn to drive better knowledge about who they are and what they offer, as well as attract clients to them? There's two areas here that I'll focus on. And the first area is to build a strategy regarding what you're going to do, whether it's going to be a Monday to Friday strategy, whether it's going to be a Monday to Sunday strategy. Every day. Yeah. Ah, okay. I see what you're saying. So build a strategy that you are going to do something every day. Okay. And then document how you're going to do that, plan it, 
there's various different things you can do and theme it. So I theme everything I do um, and I try to have a theme. So if you look at my post um, this year, it's been all about, believe it or not, heating, cooling, lighting, power, and I'm working my way through. So January, the first week in January was all about heating. Second week was all about cooling. This week, we've been talking about power. So I've been going back to Throwback Thursday, where I've been talking about things I did in 2019 and picking it up. And these are all snippets of things. Don't be frightened. When did you sit down and, and map that out, like by, by week? And what's your cadence for that planning? Yeah, so I mapped out about 11 weeks of, of um, what I was going to do. And then, so for instance, I always, always would put an article out on a Monday. So at the weekend, I'd write an article. And then I'll put repurpose that article and ideas of what I'm doing yeah. there. So and, it's and you weird published because- 52 articles last year with this strategy. Yeah. Congratulations. I look forward to that book. <laughs> so that, the, the strategy, that one article, I think, is, is, you know, okay, there's three things. Write an article, okay, a thousand word article. That generates probably nearly 700 pieces of different posts that you could put out. And it's surprisingly how you can. You know, you'll have a table in there. That's a post. You'll have some bullet points. That's another post. You'll have some paragraphs that you can cut and paste. So by writing a strategy, you've got to build your content. And if you're going to say, right, I'm going to have a LinkedIn strategy, it's going to be for the next 12 months, whatever, you need content. So the content is driven from the articles, which I think are important. So have the strategy, but then the most important thing, be consistent. Start it, but don't yeah, give up. Consistency. How many days have I missed since November 2019? None. I may be a bit late. No, I've posted every day since 2019. I went through a phase last year where I was doing every single seven days. I've eased that off a little bit, but what I find is on a Sunday, something might come up. So this Sunday, I was out with my girlfriend, we was in Essex and it's a beautiful sunset. And I took a picture of the sunset with the light next to it, which was off. And I just used that as like the light was an LED, it was turned off, the sun was going down and it wasn't on. Good points to pick up. So I pick up some personal things and I find those posts always go a lot better than the, the hard on energy management. So I haven't missed many days since 2019. I've been constant, but I must say, since we've started coming out of lockdown and we've been sort of going into face-to-face a lot, I, I joked with you last week, didn't I, Nico? I'm I'm posting like an American. <laughs> so I do afternoon posts at the moment when normally I was doing um, eight o'clock is normally my time for posting. So be and, consistent. And what have you seen from the data that works the best? I guess that's the question that a lot of folks ask me as well. When What works the, the best, right? And uh, I'm, I'm curious if you've gleaned any insights. Um. For me, eight o'clock is always the good time for me to be posting. But because I'm doing global posting, it does vary. I'm enjoying the afternoon posting, to be honest with you. And it's a change. And I think... Are you seeing results from it? That's the question. Yes. Yes, I am definitely seeing results from it. Yeah. Here's what I see. There's two realities of this, Paul, and you agree with this because I know we've talked about it in private. One element of this is what am I able to consistently do? And it doesn't matter if I tell you that the best time to post is 10 a.m., but you only have 8 a.m., get your damn post up at 8 (laughs) a.m. Don't worry about 10 a.m. Or go subscribe to a service where you write it at 8 a.m. and it posts for you at 10 Uh, a.m. And there are a handful of those that you can, can, if you email me or Paul, we can tell you which ones that we we like. And then the other is you have absolutely got to A-B test. I was just sharing with Paul in private that, uh, and I don't think I've ever told anybody this, but like we've tested, some of it is just my laziness and we end up emailing in the afternoon, but over the course of four years, we've tested just about every hour of the day of sending our emails and publishing our podcasts. And I can tell you that anecdotally, we see better traffic posting in the mornings than in the afternoons for our podcast. And we see better traffic in terms of open rates and click-throughs on our emails, sending them at the end of the day, Eastern Standard Time. So middle of the afternoon Pacific. And here's where the data gets interesting for our emails. And my team looked at that and they thought, oh, that's really interesting. Uh, it looks like people like opening the emails at the end of the day. And I said, oh, no, you, not, you actually, what you need to look at is because we have this data from our email list, where are they located, right? And if you don't have a big enough data set, this is just like energy management. You have to have a big enough data set. You have to look at it over a long enough period of time. 
and you have to have tried enough of enough different variations to be able to compare. And, and many of you out there, you just don't have the, you don't have the data. And that's where the consistency comes in. We consistently publish a podcast every week, twice a week. We consistently, somebody said, why do you send so many emails? Well, I am testing what works. Does Tuesday work better than Thursday? Does 2 a.m. or does 2 p.m. on Tuesday convert better than 2 p.m. on Thursday? Well, what if I actually, what we found is that it's a different time on Tuesday than Thursday that converts better because half or more of our email list is in the Western sort of Pacific Standard Time Zone. Lo and behold, the ones that are opening the email the most frequently at what looks to us like almost 6.30 p.m. is actually 3.30 p.m., where, when do most people check their email in that lull in the mid afternoon Yeah, when they, maybe you're checking their coffee or they're just not feeling the inertia, uh, to go and do hard work. So they go into their email and that, you know, uh, we've sort of stumbled across that, but it really comes down to, to your point, doing the work, being consistent, uh, and creating enough persistence in a thing that over time, 52 articles, you get better at writing and thinking about it. And over time people get used to hearing and seeing from you. And that alone builds trust. Is that how you've experienced it as well? Yeah. You're building like and trust all the way along this journey. Yeah. I I usually ask a question. What book has, uh, have you gifted the most? I'm going to ask a different question here because I know the answer and I want people to hear it from you. Who has most influenced your work around influence and that you have emulated the most? I'm going to say Daniel Priestley of all people. (laughs) <laughs> that's right <laughs> I love it I, kn- I didn't know of Daniel Priestley before I met you yeah Daniel Priestley um, I read his books I've done his training and I love listening to his books because when you listen to it I've, I've had quite a few phone calls with him and very you know I could listen to him all day and he phoned me up once and uh, I was in a, the wrong place regarding the training and I was struggling with it I couldn't get my head around some of the things and he come on the phone out of the blue and sort of he, because he knew I had a, an issue about something, and he he sort of he challenged the the issue head on, which was great, really respecting for that. And then he sort of said to me, "Right, what's your issue?" And I explained mm. to him that I'm putting all this effort and this content out there, but it just doesn't seem to be happening. And he said, "What are you yeah. doing about your sales?" And I said, "Well, I'm focusing on my content and being creative." He goes, "There's your problem." I went, okay. Mm. He said, "When you." He said, I had exactly the same thing. When I focus too much on, you you become creative and you love it. Everyone loves being creative. You know, you've got to stop being creative and put your foot back on the snake. Because as soon as you take that foot off off the snake, it's going to bite you. So he said, tell me what you're going to do now. And I said, I'm going to roll my sleeves up and go and get stuck into it. And he goes, exactly what you need to do. Roll your sleeves back, get in there and, you know, Go and do the sales. Go and do the work that you love doing yeah. and that, that you get paid for doing. Now, he wrote a book that I didn't know about until I met you. What's that book called? He's got quite a few books, but the, his main book I is- I know he's key, got quite a few, but the one key that- person, Key Person of Influence, he's written. Yeah, KPI. Another way to think of KPI. Key Person of Influence. I'll link to it. Uh, it's actually co-written, the 2015 version, at least by Kevin Harrington. Is that the one that you first read? Um, I believe the one I read was, was just him. His, his book was The Key Person yeah, of the, Influence. Yeah, the 2019 version. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In there's a key thing. There's a link to his scorecard. And you do the scorecard to see where you are regarding um, a key person of influence. And the book is called Key Person of Influence, The Five-Step Method to Become One of the Most Highly Valued and Highly Paid People in Your Industry. Who wouldn't want that, Paul? Exactly. What a promise, right? What and a promise. And think about the four principles. That's funny. You've got the five principles of being a key person of influence and Paul Webb's got the four principles of um, energy management. I wonder how, where he learned how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes <laughs> back my to secrets people, away something now. you and I talk about a lot. Yeah, you are. That's okay. That's what Suncast is about. Give your secrets away. I think that the secrets, uh, there, there is no secret sauce. There are no tricks of the trade. You got to learn the trade. Yeah. And you have put in the time and very few people will, will be able to stand toe-to-toe, head-to-head with you. You're so far ahead of those who would be peers for you in the industry. And the same is true for many listening right now. And I desire for all of you to be a key person of influence. It's one of the things that we talk about a lot on Suncast. It's one of the things that over the last six years, I have maybe unwittingly been able to create for myself and for Suncast that I'm really grateful for. Uh, You know, it's one of the things that allowed 
us to meet because you reached out to me and said, hey, I see you. I'd like to know you. I was invited to be on your podcast when you were just starting out your podcast. Exactly. Because you you smartly have invited key persons of influence on your podcast. Um, and, and you're an infinite learner. It's one of the things I love about you. Do you have a morning routine or perhaps a consistent habit or practice that you feel like has really given you leverage in your life? I do have a routine and I do struggle sometimes to keep the routine going, but I, I journal every day and mm-hmm. it's something I've learned. And you know, this lady, Dr. Nargis, she wrote a book, um, which I, I Dr. read. Dr. Nargis, yeah. And the, she says about drawing your future and drawing uh, and being artistic about what you're doing. I do. Mm. <laughs> this, this is going to be, uh, I've never told anyone this, by the way, Nico. Um, I do little stick men. And you probably would have seen a stick man on one of my articles recently about the goals. I talked about the goals and I drew I a stick man yeah. uh, of a, a little man kicking the ball into the goal. Now, I do a little, I do a sketch every morning as part of my journaling. I meditate every morning and I find that really does set my scene for the whole day and throughout the day. It make, it clears my mind. It helps me be more creative with what I'm doing, how I'm explaining things, what I look for in my field as well. If you've made it this far, you're hearing the voice of someone who has 40 plus years of experience, someone who I consider to be a key person of influence and someone who has taught me a tremendous amount about the power of persistence and the the level of conversion that consistency can bring if you stick to a thing. And I've watched you, Paul, uh, successfully deploy your strategy on LinkedIn. Times where I didn't necessarily think like, oh, that's exactly how I would have done it. And times where I thought, Jesus, Paul's just running so much harder than me. And uh, and you're a few years older than me. So that's admirable in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Uh, I just want to say that I'm really, I'm really honored to have been in this community, the clean energy revolution, as we call it with you. And it's an actual real community. You want to talk a little bit about before, before we bring it to a close, talk a bit about our WhatsApp group in case some others want to join in on the clean energy revolution. So we're coming up It's May's going to be our, our next birthday. So Brian and I yeah. and many others, we were on WhatsApp sharing LinkedIn posts and talking about what we were doing. And Brian and I sort of got together and said, look, the stuff, the content and the knowledge and the people we've got around us, we need to be working more together with this. And the group started to grow and we went from 50 people to 60. And before we knew it, I, I think we're sitting at about 180 people now on this group. And they're, they're experts in their own field. And from solar to geothermal to, you know, we've got doctors uh, of the environment. I mentioned uh, Dr. Nigel's system, but, um, and she's more mindset and things like that, which I think adds value to what we're doing. So you've got people like myself, you've got people focusing on smart tech. And so there's a whole range of experts. And I, I see it as a three-pronged approach regarding environmentalists, regarding renewables, and regarding energy management. It's all come together. It's been amazing the way it has come together. And, you know, my phone doesn't stop pinging. I, I know loads of people have turned their, their notifications off, but my phone just doesn't stop pinging 24 hours a day. And, and it'll be something of knowledge that I can just click on. I don't necessarily go and look at every single post, but I look at the majority of them. I support them. So if I see something and we talk behind the scenes, oh, have you seen what this guy's written about how we've been attacked? Because we get attacked on a regular basis. We then work together to see if we can address that or say, don't worry about it. Or we, you know, and everyone's working together globally. And it's always been my mission to bring energy experts together. So we smile about the 42 years experience. I want to give that back to the industry. And this is one of the platforms um, that I'm using. And then we have the other platform on the other side, which is Umlink, which we've just created for content sharing. And if you've got content that you want to post, please put it onto um, umlink.com. And that is growing. And that's going to have all the training platforms and, and things like that. So you're going to see Clean Energy Revolution build even further with websites. And that's going to be parallel to what I'm doing with the the, the Umlink community, which basically mirrors it. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to have to get, get Brian on as well. Brian Scott's the other uh, individual that Paul was mentioning. And a handful of us form aboard of this sort of uh, ragtag group that we pulled together of global energy experts. Nico, the, if you imagine this group, 
okay, we've never met each other, but we talk like we're brothers and we've got so much That's respect um, from each other. It's amazing. And I remember in the early days, I won't say the name of the group, but we had a little group set up and our wives and girlfriends used to say, what are you guys always chatting about? And we'll be chatting yeah. about anything and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I genuinely look forward to, uh, yeah, I love building relationships with, with folks around the world like you, Paul. And it's because of you and Brian and others in the group that are genuinely interested in seeing people succeed that I lean into a group that like, like you said, my wife has said, why do you spend so much time with these folks that you've never met? And the answer is because I grow and learn and uh, I contribute and it satisfies a desire in me to, to learn from others and to help others. And we do help each other every single day. Uh, you know, for, for those who are interested in, if you're curious about what Clean Energy Revolution is, you can easily search hashtag Clean Energy Revolution on LinkedIn and follow. And if you want to message me, 510-427-8643 is my cell phone, 510-427-8643. I, haven't, I don't give that out very often, but you can message me on WhatsApp and I can add you to the group. You can email Paul or I, and you'll get Paul's email in just a moment. Uh, and you can ask to be added to the group. And our promise to you is that we will help you establish yourself as a key person of influence. We will help you elevate the visibility of your presence and posts on LinkedIn to the extent that you help yourself and learn from us as a community, which is a two-way street you contribute and you also get. So, you know, with that, Paul, I think we've covered a lot, a lot of ground. I'm really, uh, yeah. Did you have anything final to add on that, on that point? There's one more point yeah. because- if those people that we're reaching out to today regarding clean energy revolution, if you're a student and you think, oh, I can't go and be in that part, we've, we've actually broken it out. We've broken the students out um, and into the, the clean energy juniors. Um, and we're, yep. we're developing them to come into the main group. They're in the main group, but we're still developing them. And I work with them and so does the, the rest of yeah, us. Yeah, you personally mentor them. Yeah, I mentor them on a regular basis. Um, I teach them how many how are to, in that group. It's dozens now. There's 45 people sitting in that group. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot of folks coming out of uni and it's a lot of, uh, really, uh, just genuinely eager, curious, bright young individuals around the world from all places, from India, from Africa, from, uh, the Americas, from Great Britain. It's people from all over the world. So I've been really impressed with, with that. And not only that, but your commitment to giving back in that way. Well, Paul, where can people who are so inclined best engage with you? Where can they find you? Well, my office is LinkedIn and just type in energy expert <laughs> and I will come up. Um, obviously, you search Paul Webb, but I'm Paul Webb energy expert. Um, they can send me a direct message on paul at b2benergy.co.uk. Well, let's end as we always do, Paul. And I'm sad to say we have to end. Let's do this on uh, a high note, a bold prediction. What one thing do you, Paul Webb, see happening in the market that perhaps nobody else is tracking? What is in your crystal ball for 2022? I can see this movement of the, not necessarily clean energy revolution, but I can see that movement growing even further. And I can see a lot more than normal man getting involved with what we're doing and understanding it and really driving this, this need to make a difference. I can really see that. I can feel that. You know, we, we've had COP, you know, the lead up to COP has been great, but now I'm sensing the fact that nothing's happened from it. You know, the leaders aren't leading, mm. but the common man is now going to start to step up. And I see, I think we're going to be seeing that over the next yeah. couple of years. We're going to really see that driving. And I'm sorry about sort of mentioning a plug here, but we've just, um, I've just interviewed um, Jenny Bailey and Chris Simons. They've just written a song called It oh, Matters yeah. to Me. And if you listen to that song, that is the common man's voice coming through. So true. And on June yeah. the 5th, they're going to bring all that together from about 30 different choirs are going to be singing that song. And that's going to be amazing, that song, because that's an anthem that's been developed for this movement. Mm. Well, when I asked how you can be found, the thing that you didn't mention was Energy Speaks Back. So I would encourage everyone to go on Spotify as well as soon as this is over and Type in Energy Speaks Back, Paul Webb. Subscribe to his podcast. It's now over 100. Over 100 episodes yet? No, I'm on 68 episodes oh, now. We're getting 60, there, though. 68. So probably by the time this publishes, yeah, probably by the time we publish, 
you'll be over 75. Congratulations on the traction you're getting there. I would, ha- I would ask folks, please go subscribe to Energy Speaks Back. Listen to my friend Paul, who brings knowledge and wisdom about the energy sector globally every uh, every episode. And follow him and his activity on LinkedIn. If you're interested in getting involved in CER, as we colloquially call it, uh, text or email and direct message us on LinkedIn, we'll be certain to add you to the group. I just want to say one final time, thank you, Paul Webb, B2B energy expert, for everything that you contribute, not just to our LinkedIn community, but now to our Suncast tribe. Thank you, Nico. And thank you for the work you're doing as well. It's awesome. Thank you. All right, Solar Warrior. Well, that's a wrap on today's conversation, but it is not by any means the end of the conversation. As we mentioned numerous times, Paul and I and the rest of our Clean Energy Revolution friends are super active every day on LinkedIn. You can find us using the hashtag Clean Energy Revolution. You can also find Paul, as well as a plethora of other resources, through our episode notes over at mysuncast.com. If you're eager to keep learning well, you, my fellow Philomath, should head over to the resources section so you can see the highlights from this episode and every other. Social media links for Paul, the book recommendations, and so much more. Again, that's at mysuncast.com. Since I know you're already hopping online, I would love for you to do us the favor of finding the post that Paul and I both have created for this episode on LinkedIn. Like and engage with it. And let others know that they should be listening to this episode as well. Hope you'll join us again next week for a short form tactical practical conversation on Tuesday and a long executive profile deep dive long form convo just like this one with my friend Paul. Today we bring every single week. Thanks again to our sponsors who help make this content free to you each and every week. You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. That's also where you can learn how to partner with us to reach thousands of solar warriors and clean tech champions on the clean energy revolution twice a week. Head over to mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, solar warrior. It's half the battle.